That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Broadcasting from the west coast of the Golden State, the nation's most straightforward recovery talk show, That Sober Guy podcast, helping to keep your brain sharp and your blood clean. And now, Shane Raymer. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. What is with that echo? Anyone else just hear that echo? Kind of pop in there, a little natural reverb. I don't know. Maybe I need to scoot up on the mic a little bit. Let's try that. How is everybody doing today? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Raymer, just in case you didn't know. Kind of sounded like a WWF wrestler there. Um, I got Tim from Sober Nation coming on the show today. This has been long overdue. I was supposed to have a, um, a conversation with Tim months ago. And, um, you know, t- today finally actually reached out to him this morning and said, hey, man, is there any way you can come on today? And uh, he is busy traveling and stuff, but he's going to make it happen. So he he will be on the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about recovery, of course. We're also going to talk about Tim's personal website um, where he talks about do what you love, work hard and get paid. And uh, he's got some great articles on there that talk about this on things that things in life that we can do not only to better ourselves, but how we can actually live out our dreams and, um, and really enjoy life and really do the things in life that we, that inspire us to live. Uh, so I encourage you to check out some of Tim's work. It's timstods.com. That's Tim S T O D Z.com. And you can check out more of Tim's, uh, articles, uh, guests that he's had on there all kinds of stuff. And you can also sign up uh, for his email um, and, and you'll see it on there. It's, it, it talks about finding your passion, how to work hard and get paid. And uh, you can sign up and receive articles that are designed to inspire you and to live the life of your dreams. So it's pretty cool. Uh, Tim from Sober Nation joining the show. First, a word from our sponsor. Sober Nation is the largest online recovery community and treatment resource center. They provide treatment resources to those struggling with addiction as well as to family members who were caught in the crossfire. On top of that, Sober Nation is a huge community of good people who share their experience with each other. They have informative content, recovery and addiction news, as well as an entire clothing line which helps expand the culture of recovery. They can be found at www.sobernation.com. Once again, that's sobernation.com. Check it out. Go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the live meetings tab, and register for the next Sunday morning live online recovery support group meeting. Also, you can leave us a review on iTunes. If you do that, take a screenshot of it and send it to me with your P.O. box or your address. I will gladly send you some That Sober Guy podcast stickers. You can post up in your community. You can put them wherever you want um, and and, uh, help spread the word of recovery and help spread the word of the show, too. Find us on Facebook. Also, have a um, an announcement to make as far as the Facebook page goes. I've also started a group now after some um, encouragement from Omar from Share Podcast, and of course, Paul uh, Paul's group uh, Recovery Elevator group on Facebook is phenomenal group, especially for newcomers. Um, if you go on there, it's Recovery Elevator, and uh, you can join that group. And there's just tons of interaction in that in that Facebook group. I mean, it's a great community in itself of people that are new in recovery and some veterans in there as well. Also, Omar has his group on there, the share podcast group. I think it's just the share group on, uh, on Facebook. And you can also go on there. Now I decided finally, after it's also been a long time coming, which I should have done months ago, uh, but I didn't procrastination, um, classic, but I finally started that sober guy, that sober girl, Facebook group. And I really hope to grow this group where all of us at 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can log into there and there'll be somebody in there posting something or having an opinion and a, a question and really hope to get some great interaction. And I want some comedy in there too. post some things that are funny, you know, about sobriety, about recovery and just in general life too. positive stuff, funny stuff, any kinds of things that's on your mind. If you're having a rough day, go in there and, uh, and, and ask somebody, Hey, this is what I'm going through. So you can find that if you go on the Facebook page, uh, that sober guy Facebook, or you can hit me up on Facebook, uh, Shane Raymer on Facebook, obviously, 
and uh, I can get you added to that group, or you can put a request in yourself, and I can add you uh, as well. So go ahead and check that out. That's Sober Guy, Sober Guy, Sober Girl Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter at Five That Sober Guy. Uh, make sure you go to SoberNation.com and check out the the podcast Sober Podcast page with Share Podcast Recovery Elevator. WWA Wrestling with Addiction and yours truly, that sober guy. And last but not least, your donations help operate this show. And all the donations received go right back into the operation to help bring you the best recovery content. So that is greatly appreciated. Now, I'd like to start today, before we get to Tim, um, let's read a couple of emails. I've, I've gotten some great emails from from everybody. And I wanted to say one thing too. You know, I feel lately... The show has really picked up the feedback, um, the interaction, the emails that I get. I'm having a hard time keeping up right now with all the emails, all of the questions. And it's a, it's a great thing. It's, it's almost like my own, my own worst doing in a sense, because that means that the show is growing. That means that, um, you know, that, that people are waking up, they're reaching out, they're, they're, they're thinking about addiction, about recovery, about alcoholism. And, um, and, and we're building communities through these podcasts, through sober nation, um, you know, through, through blogs, there's all kinds of resources out there. And it's, it's just so great at the same time, I'm a one man show here at, at this moment in time, which I hope eventually starts to grow where I can have a couple of people that I'm working with that can start helping, uh, with some of this, some of this stuff. The problem is, is that I don't get paid for this. Okay. I have another job that I get paid for. And so I can't pay anybody to help me. What I'm getting at here, if you have any experience and you want to you wanna get into this game of podcasts or uh, th- this recovery community um, itself, and there's any way you can lend a hand with any of that kind of stuff, whether it's emails, managing the Facebook groups, anything like that, I'm just throwing it out there. If anyone's interested in that, um, I can't pay you right now. It, it would be service work straight up. And if it, if it turns into something, which I'm pretty confident that it will over time, uh, then that's great. You know, we'll go from there. But if you're looking to do some service work, get involved a little bit, get involved with the show as well. And you have some, ex- let me, let me make this clear too. And you have some experience at doing this stuff. No, no offense to anybody out there who, who might, you know, want to do this stuff, but you don't have a clue what you're doing. It's going to be really hard for me to, uh, to take the time to, um, you know, I, I, I don't have the time to do that. So, um, someone out there who has, has some experience with this social media, all that kind of stuff. If you're interested, please email me sobriety at that sober where I was going with that actually was the fact that I feel like I'm missing emails. Sometimes, um, I always read them. Sometimes I don't have the time or I forget, um, to respond back. And I, I really do honestly, I do the best that I can to to uh, to answer everybody's email on the Facebook page, on the Facebook groups, um, you know, to to the website. Uh, but sometimes I feel, and I don't even know that I have, but I, it just feels lately like it's just there's been so many of them that it, it's hard for me to keep up. So, uh, but I just want everyone to know that much love, respect out there goes out to everybody who interacts on the show. Uh, so let's let's jump into a couple of these emails. I'll I'll shut my trap here. Um, This first one comes from Sue and Sue says, I ran into your podcast. I can't say how I stumbled there, but I've enjoyed listening to it. Uh, Also gives a shout out to the Jess. She says the Jess is amazing as well. And yes, she is. She's a great mom and a great wife and a great person. Uh, She says, I have some questions. I think that alcohol is not my friend. I feel like if I were to get rid of it, I'd be better off. I rationalize how I feel if my life were to settle down like that. Um, would I find my way back to happiness? Um, you know, would I still want to drink? Uh, from what I'm understanding, this could be the devil, aka the disease talking to me and not clear thinking. And I think what you're referring to, Sue, is just that battle going back and forth in your head. And it's very common. Uh, you're definitely not alone there. Uh, it still happens to me a couple of years into recovery. So um, don't think that that's abnormal. You're, you're spot on. All that being said, here's the issue. I hate talking. I, I will talk until I'm blue in the face to people about life, politics, their lives, etc. But I've never been one to just open up to anybody. I can talk to very good close friends about things that are personal. So what she's getting at here is she, she talks about 
going into the rooms, I believe it's one of the, it's either AA or NA. I don't think it says on here, but, um, says she went to a meeting. Uh, she was called on to speak basically, and it completely freaked her out and she never returned to a meeting again. Okay. And, and now this was years ago. And now Sue's talking about, I want to go back to a meeting because obviously these thoughts of the drinking are coming up. Um, but she's scared that she's going to have to to talk and she doesn't want to talk. She just wants to kick back and listen. She also says, I like to write sometimes, but that process takes a while and I'm going to, I'm not going to trust you just because you're in a room with me. So basically she's going into the, she's, there's fear going into these rooms of, of AA, of NA, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of us felt that, especially I want, I want everyone that's listening right now. Remember when you went back to your first, go take yourself back to that first meeting that you went to. That first time you ever walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery, whatever program that you use or your rehab facility that you went to, there's fear there. There's that knot in your gut that's just like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I want to get sober. I don't think I need this. Um, I mean, depends on the severity of your mental state, I guess, at the time, because some of us were worse off than others, um, you know, when we went in. And some of us were just downright done. You know, we, we could not take it anymore. So um, I think in general, we all have kind of that same nervousness and feeling. And then if you add on to that, like Sue's talking about, about, you know, not wanting to talk and being scared shitless that it's going to get past you. And, 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 and then all of a sudden you're going to have to speak when you don't want to, uh, that could be really um, a turnoff and it can prohibit people from actually going out and getting the help they need. Now I'm, a, I don't, I'm not trying to plug this intentionally, but I want to say, I, I don't know why I feel like I have to say that. I'm not trying to plug this. I'm, I'm not, but I don't know. I just feel douchey sometimes doing this, these like plugs and except sober nation, love you sober nation. But like when I talk about, you know, the Facebook page and make a donation and, um, you know, I, I'm going to talk about the meetings right now, the, you know, the, that sober guy meeting Sunday mornings, um, but really that's why I created that sober guy meetings on Sundays is just what you're talking about. Sue is because people have a reservation about going and sitting in a room full of strangers. And there's something about being able to do it from the comfort of your own home or wherever you're at on a computer and listen, you don't have to talk because there's a mute button. And so if there's nobody that's going to call on you, in other words, you could sit and listen. And if you want to talk, you certainly can unmute your microphone and, and jump in the conversation. Um, you know, so these meetings that, that, that we created for Sunday mornings are just for this case to help bridge that gap. It's not to replace AA or NA or, or, uh, celebrate recovery, anything like that. that. Those programs are irreplaceable. They're not even similar to what we do at that sober guy meetings. Um, our meetings are just meant to have a, a, an open platform where somebody like Sue can come in and sit and talk about this kind of stuff um, or listen about it, you know, listen to somebody else talk about what they're going through and hopefully relate to it. So I would encourage anybody check one out on Sunday mornings. They're at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Um, you, you go on the website and you can register there at that sober guy, uh, that sober guy.com on the live meetings tab. Um, Sue, as far as the actual meeting goes itself, you know, that's something that you're going to have to, um, you know, work, work through. Um, you know, you're going to have to go in and, and be okay with sitting in there and listening and it, and, and you got to have, be prepared when you go in, if you feel like, uh, strong enough to go in the room, have something prepared to say, if somebody does call on you. Now I've been in a lot of meetings before and very rarely do they pick on somebody. So may, I think that you just personally, I think you had a bad experience at one point in time and, uh, that scares you off, which is completely normal. I, I totally get it. But like I said, in the, in the couple of years that I've been in recovery, m most of the meetings I've been to, I've rarely ever seen somebody get picked on and pick somebody out. It just doesn't happen often, at least in, in my experience. So I would encourage you to try it again, you know, get some, um, you know, get some, get some strength behind you, you know, get some encouragement, some encouraging words from, I don't know if you have a, a support network or somebody that you can talk to a friend, um, bring somebody with you. You know, if there's somebody that'll, that'll accompany you there, that's always good too. And, and when you go there, maybe you can meet somebody, another woman that's in recovery, uh, that can kind of help guide you through this 
and and not feel so alone in it because you're not. I guarantee you, there's 20 other women. Um, you know, I don't know, 20, maybe, maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe 50. I don't know. It depends how big the meeting is. Uh, but I guarantee you, there's a couple at least in there that are going through some of the same things that you've gone through or that you're currently going through. And and no matter what stage of life you're in, what age you're at, um, you know, there we all have different things in our lives. But this this addiction, alcoholism, is generally the same. Um, the same symptoms for all of us, no matter what color you are, what religion you are, um, you know, what kind of job you have, it, it doesn't matter. So I would encourage you to have a plan. If for some strange reason you do get picked on, um, know what you're going to say, you know, know what you're going to say. No, thank you. I'm just here to listen tonight, but thank you. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. It can be as simple as that and, um, go from there. You know, that, that would be my encouragement to you. Now, one more thing Sue talks about here is how, how do you know when you have to go to rehab? Um, she says, I don't have a low bottom, but I do say to myself, I'm not going to have a drink tonight. And then I do it anyway. And then I get mad at myself. Um, you know, and that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I did the same thing myself. I would wake up every morning and say, I'm not going to drink. Or, um, if I was going out on a Friday night, there were many times when I would say, I'm going to try to just hang out tonight. It would never, ever work. And then same thing. I would get down on myself. I would get pissed off that night and then feel like shit the next day, of course, and be guilty about it and then do it all over again the following day. So it's a very, um, very curious cycle when we're, when we're stuck in it and it's hard to, hard to break that cycle until you surrender to it. So let me ask you this. How do you know if you have to go to rehab? I can't answer that for you. Only you know that. If you're questioning the fact that you that you might have a problem, there's a good chance that you do have a problem because people who don't have a problem don't question it. They don't ever even think about it because they probably don't drink that often. And if they if they do occasionally drink, they don't drink excessively like like many of us. Um so as far as the rehab goes, I don't, I don't know. You know, for me, I can tell you what I know. I know I couldn't handle it anymore. It was getting out of hand. I was drinking and driving. I was, you know, swearing up and down. I wasn't going to drink. I was getting bags of dope after that to sober up. I mean, there was all number of things. Like it was obvious to me, I couldn't quit on my own and I needed help. And it was spiraling out of control very fast. Uh, so that, that's how I knew. I knew I couldn't do it anymore. I knew that the weight was too heavy on my shoulders. I could not take it anymore. So I had to, I had to get help. Uh, I threw my hands up. I surrendered. I said, I can't take it anymore. I give it up to you, God. Please, somebody help me. Pretty much in a nutshell. And uh, I went to rehab. So I don't know if that helps you at all. I hope it does. Um, you know, if you have any more questions, you can uh, shoot me back an email. Totally cool with that. Uh, or also, you can join the Facebook group on there go on there sober guy sober girl facebook um just hit me up i can add you on there as well okay i feel like i'm talking a mile a minute and i'm just getting after it right now and that's all good so sue th thanks again uh so i have one more i want to read over to this says um good evening first of all i absolutely love your podcast makes me laugh and gives me some new info i'm doing a review on itunes after i finish this email so I'm not an addict, but I love someone who is. Your podcast has really helped me see what things are really like and how I cannot help or how I can and cannot help. So thank you so much for that. My boyfriend has said he's ready to help with his alcoholism and I want to be there to support him. What is the best way to do this if he decides against it or it doesn't work out and he gives up? How do I deal with that? I have so many questions about boundaries. So any advice would be rad. Obviously, if you wouldn't be reaching out if you didn't love him and, and you weren't there to support him. So, um, first off, you know, I know that most people don't want to hear this, but go to a meeting. That's this, that's the best advice I could give you really. I mean, I could sit here and talk all day till I'm blue in the face about you can do this and you can do that. And this is how I felt. And that's how you felt. But I want to speak on this to everybody right now. If you're struggling, get your ass to a meeting. Okay. If you don't want to go to a meeting, go <laughs> move your ass and your mind will follow, you know, get up and go. There's probably one starting in an hour from when you're listening to this right now in your community, because I know that there's meetings all day, every day, all over the globe. So you don't have any excuse. You know, if, if you're not getting up and getting out there, um, you're the only one to blame. 
nobody else. So that would be my first first response to you, Sarah. I guess that's two responses. Support him, understand, um, you know, and get to a meeting. And and beyond that, you know, you got to try your best not to get angry about things, but you also, you know, your your questions about boundaries is huge. And so there's support groups for that as well. And that's called Al-Anon. Um, if for those of us who aren't familiar with it, um, and that's okay. If you're not Al-Anon is for spouses, for family members, for friends, um, for people who are living or, or who have relationships or who care about people that are alcoholics that are addicts. Al-Anon helps the people, um, that are dealing with those loved ones that have the issues, um, it teaches them how to deal with that. So Al-Anon for you, Sarah, would be phenomenal. I would check one of those meetings out. Same thing. They're in your community. Okay. And then continue to do what you're doing. Listen to the podcasts. Um, go to, find some stuff online, some recovery blogs, go to sober nation. There's tons of resources on there. Um, also you can check out the Facebook groups. Once again, um, you know, there's, there's so much info out there right now with technology and everything that's evolving, all of the ways that people are speaking out about addiction, about alcoholism, about recovery, that there's no excuses anymore for people. Like back in the day, I think it was just like, nah, you know, F that I'm not going to, can I just fuck that? I'm trying to quit cussing, but I just can't help it sometimes. I know everybody enjoys my foul mouth sometimes. Um, I'm trying to tune it back a little bit just so it's a little bit more, PG rated if there's younger cats um, listening to the show and because I'm trying to be a better person and I feel that if I'm convicted to curse sometimes that's okay if it just comes out and it's it's in the moment and it really speaks to what I'm speaking to but I feel like before I used to curse a lot just as fill words and um, and and just to do it so I'm kind of trying to peel that back just a bit uh, but I still had to just say it there so I love it. <laughs> uh, that's just me. That's me. That's who I am. And I, I can't, I can't really change that, but I can do the best I can. Anyways, I'm, I'm digressing here. Um, yeah, if, if you're not getting out and you're not getting any, uh, support out there, like I said before, it's, that's your own problem. There's only you to blame. I'm not talking about you, Sarah. I'm saying the you in general, um, people, there's so much stuff out there. So I hope that helps you. I, I, I feel like maybe you were looking for more of an exact answer, but in this stage where your boyfriend's just kind of like, he's ready for help and, you know, he wants it, um, you know, and, and I know how that is and, and that's great, but, you know, actions speak louder than words. So get up and get out to a meeting, you know, get out. You got to start meeting people. You got to just show face. Um, and it's tough to do. It's much easier to sit back on the porch and, and crack a, a bottle of Jack and, you know, a pack of Marlboros and, and kick back and smoke and drink and whatever else comes. Yeah. But, uh, you're going to be dealing with the same things over and over and over until you decide as a person, you know, until I decided to stand up and surrender and say, I don't want this life anymore. What am I going to do to change it? How did I put myself in this position? What can I do to change? Okay. So if, if that makes sense, that's the best advice. Self personal responsibility. I'm excited to have my good homie, Tim from sober nation on the show. Let's give him a warm welcome. I'm doing a podcast. So shut the fuck up. All right, we're talking today, folks, with Tim from Sober Nation, the good homie. We've been battling back and forth to finally get this episode on the books and uh, get a good conversation. Uh, so I'm I'm really happy to welcome Tim to that Sober Guy podcast today. Tim, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, Shane. What's up, buddy? Yeah, like you were saying, we've been uh, going back and forth a little bit, and we we're kind of uh, shooting the shit off air that we've been trying so hard to get it planned. And then I, we get a call like a couple hours ago. We're just like, let's just do this. So yep. uh, we're, we're we're jumping on ad lib style. Yes, I love it. I love the kind of the freestyle session part of it too, because I think that's when some of the best thoughts, the uh, the best opinions, the best experiences will come out. So I'm glad we're kind of doing it like this too. So speaking too. of that, let's just jump right in, man. 
Um, I know, I know there's a lot of listeners, uh, they've heard some, you know, maybe bits and pieces of both of our, our, our stories, I guess. Um, sure. let's just jump in, man. And, uh, let's share a little bit about yourself, about kind of some of the struggles, um, you know, that, that maybe you've been through and how you've gotten to where you're at today at this point in your recovery. Um, you know what, first and foremost, let me just kind of say to you, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm sure the people that have kind of been following your podcast and all the podcasts that, that we're doing, like you said, have uh, a little bit of an idea of like our stories and where we come from. But um, just from from me to you, I know it's, uh, it's on air, but having you guys in my life has, has been really, really cool emailing back and forth with you guys. And I know you're across the country, but I, I feel like I've gotten to, to know you really well. So I, I appreciate yeah. you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, dude, just jumping right into it. I'm uh, I'm I'm 29. I uh, was born and and raised in, in Philadelphia, and you know, I I've, I've said my story so many times. I remember when like I first got clean. You think that your story is like super profound, and like people don't understand your experiences. Yeah. And then like the longer you've been around, you kind of feel like it's just sort of a, a normal. Well, I don't know normal. I don't know if like you know, snorting oxys is, is normal, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, people. you just, you, you learn that you're not as like, what's the term they say? Terminally unique, you know, yeah. you're not as yeah. terminally unique as you thought. So yeah. make a long story short, you know, like I, uh, moderately normal childhood. Like I got both parents and, um, my parents definitely loved me. Like I've heard people say that they didn't feel loved growing up, you know, and I never felt that way. Like I got tons of love, from both of my parents and from my little sister and just all my aunts and uncles and everybody. But I think if there's, there's one thing that kind of started off with that hole that, you know, alcoholics talk about is that my parents were, were really young when they had me and uh, real blue collar, you know, like I come from a super blue collar family. We, we work really hard. And the point I'm getting at is that I, I don't know if I spent as much time with them growing up as uh as I, I could have, I should have, you know, I don't know what the right word for that is because they yeah. did like so much for me. Um, like I, I used to be really like resentful about it because, you know, like I, I just didn't, didn't see him as much as I wanted to. But, you know, like I said, as I got clean and looked back at it, I, I, I feel almost guilty being resentful because my parents pretty much gave up like all of their 20s so that they could work just to, to keep me fed and uh, keep me in school and keep me taken care of. So my, my perception on it has kind of flipped because um, I, I just see the sacrifice they made. But either way, I think that's like an important part of my story. And as for that, you know, like kind of typical, I, I loved working out. I loved playing sports. I've always been pretty good at things, you know, <laughs> like I was yeah. always pretty good at, at at sports, I was pretty smart, but I, I hated school. I didn't go to it. Um, you know, I just, I was one of those kids that I, if I tried hard enough, I knew that I could kind of excel at anything. But at the same time, like in the back of my head, I always had that um, not good enough thing that, truth be told, like I don't say this too much, but like I, I still kind of have it. And I think that has a lot to do with why I, I still work so hard because there's, always something to prove to myself, you know, like I, I should be doing better. I wish I was doing this better. I wish I was here in my life, which is kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. But what, either what, way, what is that, bro? Because I, I totally feel you, man. Like I have that same thing, dude, that, that uh, thought of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm easily able to look at like what I'm not doing and what I could be doing better, but it's so hard for me to look at all of the good things that I'm doing too. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That reminds me of, uh, just earlier, um, my, my girlfriend helps me out with the sober nation website and she texted me because this one guy, or maybe it was a girl was leaving, uh, kind of a, a nasty comment about some of the content that I wrote. Uh huh. And it's so interesting that all the thousands of people that that go to that site every day and all the hundreds of thousands of likes and like positive comments we get, there's that one negative comment and that's the <laughs> one that sticks to us, you know, yeah. like that's the one that, that keeps us up. So there's something about it, you know, I don't really pretend to understand addiction or even like human nature that much, but it is weird how 
those kind of things kind of stick with us, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, I noticed too that um, I can't remember who I, I was just talking about this with someone with somebody. Uh, it it tends to be a lot of those same characteristics with people who are like um, who are artists, whether you're a musician or a writer or um, and and you like to do theater, uh, a number of different things. Um, that point of not being able to maybe to connect, like you were saying, you had issues in school. Um, I know a lot of us have, have had that, those same type of things and we're, we're really smart people, you know, but it's just, it's just the intelligence in our own type of way, our own type of form, you know? So I, I don't know, man, I just, I find that interesting that it is like such, it's, it's such an artistic type of thing. And then we look, we come out, we start podcasts, we start blogs, we start writing, we play music, we do all these excellent things. And then tying that into back what we were just saying, you know, it, sometimes it's just not it's not good enough for us. You know, it's, yeah, it's like the good and evil. I don't know, bro. Uh, my mother always said that it's my greatest gift and my greatest curse yeah. because it's the thing that keeps me going. So it's like, I need it. But at the same time, it's what keeps me from being fully content with like where I am in the moment, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So totally. who knows, you know, like, I don't want to get, yeah, no, it's, it. it's, it's my fault. We're digressing. I got you off track. So continue on my friend about, uh, about, um, you know, take, take us through your experience growing up. I think that's where we left. Well, off. I mean, like, it's funny because that wasn't even necessarily off track because that whole feeling that yeah. you and I were just talking about, that was me all the time. And like <laughs> still is, you know, yeah, so crazy. no matter what I was doing growing up, like I just always had that nagging thing in the back of my head like if I was around people I wanted to be by myself if I was by myself I felt like you know I didn't have any friends or I, I could be at a, at a at a party and still feel like I couldn't connect to anybody um so there was always something like socially off with yeah. me in that regard um but yeah like in terms of a little bit more to my my story it was uh pretty pretty typical i guess like I, I think first drink i had i was like 12 or something i got arrested uh when i was like 13 or 14 the fourth time i got caught drinking outside of like a, a weezer concert at the at the spectrum which is like the uh the stadium in philly mm. um had to do the whole drug and alcohol classes kind of got cited dozens of times growing up for getting busted with pot and all that stuff but it was always kind of just fun and free spirited but it wasn't until i like stumbled across the opiates that it really started getting out of hand and even before that like i would pretty much do anything i was always like a a free spirited like experimental kind of person but it wasn't until the opiates that that whole obsession thing really really kicked in and i find that pretty pretty common with a lot of a lot of younger people these days because it's just takes over, you yeah. know what I mean? It just completely yeah. takes over. Yeah, the opiates, man, that um, in, in pill form or just straight heroin, it seems to be such a big uh, issue, especially with the young, you know, the younger culture. I mean, I'm sure it yeah. goes all the way up through, but uh, the youngsters, man, it's 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 really, it's, it's pretty sad, actually. You know, and it's tough, man, from what I hear, um, to break that, you know, to break that. And, and you've experienced it firsthand, so... Yeah, and I was so lucky, you know, I I was I don't know what it was differently about me. Like there's a lot of alcoholism in my family. Um I grew up with it. I've I've just seen it all over the place and as I got older I started to like understand it. So I never had that denial of being an alcoholic, you know. I yeah, yeah. I got clean through the the steps and my first day in treatment like I'll never forget looking up at the steps for the first time and I was already kind of familiar with them just because of family members doing the whole treatment thing but that was the first time like I really looked up at them and reading the first step I'll just never forget I was sitting on this really shitty like grungy couch in this treatment center in a new town Pennsylvania and I remember reading the first step on the wall and thinking to myself like that's definitely me you know, so I've, I've never had that battle in my head of like, maybe one day I can just have a drink or maybe as I get older, or like maybe it was just a phase, you know, like yeah. I just, that always clicked with me, that whole, that whole powerlessness over drugs and alcohol. I've never had that denial 
in my mind yeah. going back and forth. And I just feel so grateful for that because I've seen so many people relapse because of that. And I'm just, I'm just not there. You know, I, I'm, I like where I'm at. I feel good. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, man, not even, not even just, um, the relapse alone, but how many people out there, um, are, are so blind to that fact. They're so in denial about it. They don't even ever get to the point to then relapse. You know what I'm saying? They're just stuck in their addiction or their sure. alcoholism. Like I have a family member who I love very much, but man, he's just, I mean, I, there's a little bit of hope that I hold on to. I know many of us struggle with these, these same issues mm-hmm. with the loved one, but, uh, damn man. Um, so, so basically you're saying, I mean, you already kind of realized that. So you're, you were kind of a step ahead, I guess, in that aspect, but, um, continue on, man. I, I guess so. You know, I don't know where it came from. I just, I never felt that. So like I said, pretty typical thing. I, 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 I did treatment. Um, one thing in my story that I say every time, because it was like a real breakthrough moment, my mother was, uh, really sick. She developed this kind of disorder in her brain. Uh, it's kind of complicated, like what happened. It's super rare, but the point is that she was really losing like her motor functions and she was probably going to die. And so we flew out to uh, San Diego because there was only like one surgeon in the country that could perform this kind of surgery. And the flight out there, I was so sick because I was just withdrawing so hard. And I remember finally getting there and my mother came into the hotel room. Like I, I just landed, put my suitcases down and I see my mom and I give her a hug and she was doing this little pre-op type thing where she was having like a meeting with the surgeon and I think they were going to hold like a little model of the brain and sort of explain the procedure and all that. And she just looked at me and like asked if I would come with her because she was scared, you know? And like wow. I said before, like I'm, I'm, I'm her son. I'm the oldest. It's me and my sister. I, I just know that she was looking at me for, for comfort because I'm me and my sister are like my mom's greatest life accomplishment, you know, like all of her life. She's, she's just been a mother. And I I told her no, just because I was withdrawn so hard. And, uh, so my stepdad wheeled her out in, in the wheelchair and, um, yeah, that was it. She left and I, I kind of, I did my thing. And I just remember like, doing this line and looking out this window and you know where like that that jones in sort of falls out of your body as Mm. you finally get it in you and like that comfort kind of comes over and that uncomfortability of like the detoxing just sort of like oozes out of you yeah and i remember feeling that and being like oh that felt so good and at the same time being like god i feel so terrible and that was that was really my bottom you know because like all the times i got thrown in jail or I got beat up or all of that, you know, it just, they all added up. And I knew that, you know, if, if I kept living that way, like I would actually go to jail and like actually serve a sentence instead of just getting thrown in jail for a night or, you know, like getting some stitches on my head. But none of those times really mattered. It, It wasn't until like I saw that look on my mom's face that I actually sat back and realized I had a problem and everybody else knew uh, when we got back to Philly, my mom survived the surgery and like my dad and my uncle just kind of pulled me aside. And I don't even know if I'd call it an an intervention. I, I guess in a way it was, but it was more so just like we all knew what we were there to talk about. And it was kind of like, Tim, like, how are we going to do this? And I, I went to treatment the next day. And after that, I um, I went back to Philly for a little bit, but pretty much I flew down to Florida because I had a cousin that lives down here that had been clean for like three or four years at the time. And I just came down here to do a halfway house and I never left. I've just been in Florida ever since. Wow. I just never went back home. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how it happened for me. I remember a point. I don't remember where I heard it. it may have been recovery elevator with Paul as months ago, probably when I first kind of learned about sober nation, but there was a part where you talked about, you got this Jeep. I think it was a Jeep it was like this beat up old Jeep, but you were so juiced to like actually finally have a car. What yeah, was, was so what, cool. Yeah, what was the deal with that? I don't know why. I, that's something that stood out to me when I when I remember back about your story. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> it was it was an awesome Jeep that was just such a hunk of shit. It had these <laughs> huge swamp tires on it that 
it shouldn't have had because it was only a four cylinder. So like the engine wasn't even powerful enough yeah. to pull these tires. So the thing wouldn't go with a 40 miles an hour. Um, it looked so I cool though, it huh? on the highway. Oh man, it looked so cool. But, uh, yeah, like even just stuff like that, because I, I've really struggled, you know, I didn't, I didn't have much coming down to Florida and I, I've really, really struggled. Like even yeah. looking back now, it was, it was really hard. Like I was hungry a lot and I didn't have any money and I had to kind of bounce around and strangers. Like I didn't know anybody down here. I had to yeah. sort of make friends and ask them for favors and I got through it. You know, I just, I just got through it a day at a time and yeah, that Jeep was like a real hunk of shit, but it was mine. Yeah. And like I started all the way down and just get, I just bought it like $1, one hour at a time. And it, yeah, <laughs> it was just, great. I really missed that car. It it was, it didn't even have a roof. Like when it rained, it just got rained on. But it was. Do you know where it is really, today? Do you know where the Jeep is? I don't. I sold it to my friend uh-huh. and it sat in his driveway for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared. I don't know where it is. So if anyone out there listening knows where the hell Tim's Jeep is with the swamp, <laughs> the mutters yeah. on it, the flaps, whatever. Yeah. Uh, send him an email. Find his damn Jeep. It's yeah, legit. you know what? Here's what we'll do. When we get off, I, I got this Instagram picture uh-huh. uh, of the Jeep, and I'll send it to you, and right. I'll make sure that we put it like in the article and in the show notes and everything. Perfect, man. Perfect. That'd be awesome. So, okay, so let's. Uh, so you go down to Florida. You're staying um, in a halfway house. You got a cousin down there. Uh, you're scraping to get by. You don't know anybody. Um, take us through kind of that progression. Um, you know that that it. Like, what work did you put in? What were you doing at the time to, um, I mean, there's a lot of self-responsibility. And I talk about this a lot in in other episodes and just people in general that I talk with. There's a lot of self-responsibility it takes in recovery to really pick your ass up off the ground and pick your face up and yeah. and, and continue on and move forward and grow. So, I mean, you've, you've obviously been down to the bottom and now are on a, a great path to success. Um Take us take us through some of that and and what what did you do to kind of to kind of move along in that direction? You know, I worked really really hard. Like I said before, hard work is just something in my family. I've always known that I can do that, and it's it's almost like a defense mechanism in for me. Like if I'm feeling sad, I just work. If I'm feeling happy, I work. There's something about like grinding that is comfortable to me, um, but. Honestly, that that was my go-to, but that didn't work as much as I thought it would because no matter what, there were still times where I had to be quiet with myself and I didn't have any drugs to, to take that mental, emotional edge off that mm. would just follow me around everywhere. Um, so you know what I did? Just the real basics of me, I think recovery is achievable for anybody, no matter how they decide to do it. But for me, like my sponsor and, and doing the steps was, was kind of the thing. I I really white knuckled it until I got to my sixth and seventh step. I know a lot of people talk like the third step was like where they had their white light moment or the fourth and fifth step is when they let all their resentments go. I didn't feel any of that. But when I did the sixth and seventh step, my sponsor did it through the 12 and 12 and it goes really in depth through the 12 and 12. And after I read that, that was when I just had that moment of where I understood the man that I wanted to be because I didn't want to be arrogant. I didn't want to cover up my insecurities with cockiness, which is what I did. Um, I was always right. I, I was always pretty good with my words and I could tell people why they were stupid and why I was so much smarter. <laughs> but after I read that, you know, I just kind of, that's not who I want to be. Like, I just want to be comfortable with myself. And when I meet people come across as if I'm comfortable with myself, when I don't have to prove anything to anybody and make up for all these insecurities that I have. And really it it was, it was reading that. And after I read that, that whole monkey off my back and that whole obsession just instantly disappeared. You know, it's not to say that like, it's been easier that I haven't still put in work and worked with other guys and all that stuff because I'm sure it could come back at any moment. But, but that was really it. I don't know. It just, yeah. it just happened for me. Yeah. And, and so, so <clears throat> a lot of us have to use, um, 
you know, we, well, let's see. We put a lot of time into into drinking, into partying, into doing drugs, into living that kind of lifestyle. So I know for many of us, including myself, once I got sober, what am I going to do now to replace all that time I put in there? Like, how do I change? I mean, that's a complete lifestyle change. And it's not easy when basically your life has revolved around that for so many years. Um, in your case, work was a big, um, was a big one for you, that drive to, to continue on and to continue to progress. So take us into starting Sober Nation. How did Sober Nation kind of start out? And um, and then take us to to how it's grown to hundreds of thousands of followers um, in in the sober nation community today. Yeah, it was um, it. You're you're absolutely right, and I I kind of just wanted to throw in there that work was a big one, but like how you said, replacing the addiction with the other. I used to exercise. I mean, huh. I still do exercise a lot, especially running. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen pictures of me on the website, but it's why I'm so damn skinny all the time. You know, there's, there's something about just getting a sweat and I usually go running at night when there's no cars around and put on some, like some music in my, my earbuds. So that, that was a big one for me. But, but anyway, um, sober nation was an idea that wasn't originally mine. I had a friend who was doing uh, advertisement. He was selling ads and he used to use this directory to find leads. And he, I, was, I guess I was about nine months sober and he thought, Hey, let's build like a directory of treatment centers for resources. And I had always been a writer. I, I just enjoy writing. Um, uh-huh. it's another one of those things that sort of keeps my mind from taking off on me. But I kind of had started this little blog on the side and I didn't know much about the internet or how websites worked. I was just writing and he came to me with this directory idea and I was like, yeah, dude. And you know what? Like I've been writing a lot about my recovery. Why don't we combine the two? And that's really how it started. You know, it's been four or five years since then. And the the crazy thing about it, and this has been like a great life lesson, what we thought it was going to be it didn't even turn into, it's really just sort of taken off and evolved. And I discovered that the recovery community is really what has built sober nation. It's nothing that, that I did, you know, and, and since then, you know, that friend, he and I have, have kind of gone our separate ways and I, I still talk to him and it's, it's all good. Uh, but it's, it's sort of just something that I, I take care of now. And it's, I mean, it's, that's how it started. Everybody always says like, where did you come up with this amazing idea? And, and the truth is I didn't. Like I just kept, yeah. I just kept putting, putting work in and then people would respond to it and I would listen to them and you know, say they want, they want stories of other people's recovery or they want yeah. like resources about where they can get help. And so I just, I just kept listening to people and just putting together content that, that they wanted and eventually the whole worldwide community of, of sober nation just sort of became its thing. Yeah. It kind of takes on a life of its own. I mean, sober nation has some of the best resources out there. So if you, if you're listening, you haven't checked it out out yet, make sure you go to sobernation.com and, uh, and check it out. And speaking to that, you got some gnarly ass, uh, t-shirts, tank tops, uh, hats, all kinds of stuff. What's up with the clothing, the clothing line? How's that going? I know, uh, we kind of talked before a little bit and you said you were going to introduce some new stuff coming soon. So how's that going? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really working on it. Um it's it's all kind of stemmed from the same idea that it's not just about selling t-shirts, like it's the community of people, it's a lifestyle yeah. and I I thought that fashion I'm not a very fashionable person like I wear Converse's and shitty jeans from Target <laughs> and like t-shirts, you know, but either way like I understand that fashion is a form of of self-expression and so we just threw some like recovery oriented designs on on some some t-shirts and just kind of put it together and same exact thing man like the recovery community just responded and uh you know when i started it i had no clue what i was doing uh ever since then like we've we're a lot more official our our ink is really high quality our garments are really high quality like everything comes poly bagged and i've i've learned the shipping and the photography and and all that stuff but 
like I said, man, it's, it's just really turned into something. All I did was just sort of put it out there. It's everybody else that really built the brand, you know, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great, man. And that, and I, I'm sure, um, including myself, you know, we appreciate that honesty. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who might come on and, and try to, uh, you know, take all the credit and, and, you know, throw their hands in this. I'm the greatest. And, um, it's great to just hear. And that's why I like a, a lot about your writing too, man, is that you're honest in it. You, you always come from an honest perspective. Um, and that, that'll kind of tie us actually into the Tim which is your personal site, um, next to uh sober nation. There's a lot of great articles on there. Um, there's a lot of good content about entrepreneurship as well. Uh, maybe we could touch on that a little bit. Uh, again, Shane, like I really got to thank you because um, I've, I've been just quietly working on that site for probably about three or four years. That, that actually, when I, I said before, when I said I had been writing uh-huh. um, when we first came with it, that's what that site was. It was just me in my room typing my thoughts on to just nothing into cyber world and there was nobody reading it. It was just me trying to get my head out. And, um, since then, like I've learned a lot of lessons being sober and about people coming into recovery and not necessarily having skills. Um, but I've also found that a lot of them are, are very smart. Like it takes, it takes a level of ingenuity to take $5 figure out how to get across the city and pick up drugs for $40, you know, (laughs) like there's, there's an art to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I, I I saw that and I I would just notice a lot of, um, my friends who are getting sober, they're, they're kind of limited for options because they think that, uh, they don't have an education. They don't have a college degree. So it's, it's usually the same thing. They all sort of end up working at a treatment center and, doing some job that they may or may not really care about. And in that, like I do write about entrepreneurship, but my message isn't necessarily about getting rich. It's just about that one day before you know it, you're going to die. And on the time that we have, like everybody has to make a living. So you might as well make money by doing something that you love to do. You know, it's not like some get rich scheme. It's not some business plan. It's just ideas that I have about there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a living. Like everybody needs to provide income from themselves and their family. So how can you, how can you enjoy the stuff that you're doing for the majority of your life? Most people spend most of their lives working. So like, I just, I get really sad when people hate their jobs. You know, to me, that's crazy. Like why would anybody do shit that they hate? just yeah. because they need to. So that's that's the stuff I write about. Yeah, that's great, man. I know that firsthand, bro. I did drywall for a living for seven seven years, I think. Dude, sanding. <laughs> sanding with yeah. a sanding pole. And you know what? Hey, it made a living for me. I mean, I was able to start a family on it. And um, like many of us out there, you know, when I when I was in that mode, I was completely miserable going to work every day. But you do it for a paycheck. And a lot of us who are, you know, we, we suffer through that adversity because we're trying to make a better life for ourselves. And there's, you you hit it right on the head, bro. There's nothing better um, than, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to wake up every day and do what you love for a living. And a lot of people take enormous pay cuts because they would rather do what they love sure. for a living instead of going to some shitty ass job that they have no passion for and that they don't like to do uh, for, you know, for double the money than that, that, that than they would make doing something that they love. So, uh, yeah, it's, sure. it's funny too. You said you've been writing on there for three or four years, dude. I looked at some of the backlog stuff today. I'm like, dude, when I didn't know that you had, that you had, um, you know, had this site for years. I was under the, yeah. I, I just came across it, you know, in the last couple of months and I started looking today. I didn't really read much of the old articles. I was kind of browsing through them. But I'm like, dude, when did he write all this shit? Did he write all this in the last like three months? Like, damn, this fool is busy. <laughs> but that makes no. sense now that, that you say that. This is kind of where Sober Nation almost originated from. Yeah, pretty much. And there's, there's so many cool things about what you just said. Like the amazing thing about people is that, believe it or not, there's somebody out there that likes doing drywall. I can think of one. Like when I was growing yeah. up, uh, I did carpentry for like four years. Like I said, I, I 
real blue collar. It's what I did. And I, I worked with this kid named Anthony. And Anthony is first generation. His family is from Italy. His entire family is Italian stonemasons, like the most stereotypical Italian family yeah. you can think of. <laughs> but this kid, ever since he was little, knew that he wanted to build things. And that's all he wow. does. And he loves it. And he's running his dad's contracting company. So maybe he's not doing drywall 24-7. But the point is that there's somebody out there that likes doing that work. So yeah. why don't you stop doing drywall and find something that you like to do? And whatever this guy's doing, he needs to stop doing that and start doing drywall. And then like <laughs> you're both happy. Yeah. You know? Dude, great, great point, man. And let me just uh, thank you for bringing that up too, because I still have a lot of homies who do construction who, who, or who do drywall still even too. So no disrespect to those homies out there. That's uh, that's what you do. And I, man, and, and that shit is some of the hardest work that I've ever done in my life. But it taught me so many things about life and about, um, you know, about about kind of sticking to what your passion is and what you want to do. That drive to get you there. So um, I guess a good takeaway for this for this part of the conversation is we're going to go through, whether it's recovery through life, through our jobs, through finances, all this, all these things that we deal with spiritually, mentally, physically, there's ups and downs of life and there's peaks, there's valleys. And you know, if we give up, we, we die pretty much, you know what I'm saying? So we, we we just got to work hard and we got to continue on and we got to ride those waves when they're coming. And then on the, on the valleys, you know what I'm saying? We got to keep our head up and we got to do what we need to, uh, what we need to do to, uh, to keep on. So, man, dude, good stuff, bro. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it's, it's really cool how it's all come first full circle because so much of what I've done on the internet has been about sobriety and recovery and this site, like I intentionally didn't do it that way because I'm I'm proud to be sober and like I don't I don't brag about it like I don't introduce myself as like hi I'm Tim I'm sober but I don't <laughs> deny it yeah. either you know it's just sort of part of my my journey however it was cool to have my own thing where I could branch out to stuff that wasn't so sobriety oriented yeah but the point I'm getting at is that no matter how hard I tried like the lessons that I've learned through my recovery, just about life and about discipline and about patience and about um, like faith in something bigger than yourself. It's all really the same thing. Even when I write about stuff about business or about some of the projects I'm working on, it's those same principles that, that always apply. Like if, if you want to do anything in life worth doing, patience, yeah. discipline, perseverance, um, faith, you know, all yeah. of that shit matters and it's all necessary. It's just so cool. Like I get tripped up thinking about how it all ties together. It, it, it yeah. really makes me grateful. It does, man. And, and, um, it's funny too. Like if you think about like, like let's take the, the big, um, the big recovery organizations, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery. I talk about those three, um, often and yeah, they're addiction based, they're alcohol based, um, you know, celebrate recovery is kind of more everything based, I guess it's based on mm -hmm. faith in God. Um, but if you took all those programs and whether or not you're an alcoholic or an addict, or you're just a normal person that who doesn't have issues with addiction, maybe you're just struggling with life in general. You got kids, you got a job, you got responsibilities. Like all of us have, dude, those programs are life programs and nobody wakes up one day and has all the answers to life. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't take, we don't get a class on, on life really in high school. It's just basically figure, figure that shit out. And yeah. so uh, the, these programs, um, yeah, they're, they're based on that. But if we could really, if they were offered to the public and you take the addict part out of it, um, gosh, I mean, think how many people could benefit from that. Um, of course it's, uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, millions. Well, let's uh so if if anyone wants to uh to check out Tim's site, it's timstods.com and then of course sobernation.com. You hear us uh on the on the podcast because Sobernation is our sponsor and we also have uh the Sober Podcast site with uh Share Podcast Recovery Elevator and uh Wrestling with Addiction, which is super dope. Um so stoked that you put that together. Um I know that's been going well. It's kind of great to to be a part of that all together. 
Um, where could people reach out to Tim if they want to contact you, if they want to check out the website? Uh, I know there's a, there's an email they can join as well. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the Tim Stodd site, it's kind of like how it sounds. T I M S T O D Z. It's a really simple site. If you go there, it's pretty much just a landing page, um, and a blog. So you can put your email in there. Uh, to get on the email list and just all the content that I write, I, I just post it on the blog and I email it out to everybody. But if you want to get in touch with me personally, um, I love getting emails from people. I think part of the reason, like I said, the Sober Nation has done well is because we're not just a company like trying to get everybody to read what we're doing. We're a community that like interacts with each other. So I always talk to people and email people through the Facebook messages myself and sometimes they even call me but it's Tim T-I-M at SoberNation.com I mean if if you're listening to this seriously give me an email give me a shout I I, I talk to everybody I'm, I'm really passionate about being in contact and being an, an actual person that that sure. responds to people sure and if you if you know where Tim's old hunk of shit Jeep is make sure you uh, hit him up or hit me up <laughs> or leave us a message Somewhere on there, we want to find that thing for him so we can uh, have him cruising around. Her for name it. was Betsy. Betsy. Oh, wow. She had a name, too. That's classic. Yeah, bro. we just felt like Betsy was a, a real good name for, oh, you know, Betsy. some some beat up, like obviously <laughs> been around, but still kind of a rider. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, Betsy's been through some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, my man. Well, hey, bro, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Tim. Hey, Shana, like I said, dude, I, it's, it's a pleasure having you in my life, and, and thank you very much for having me. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Contact Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.